Well, today I want to talk about dry bones. I kept hearing the words for two or three weeks now, rise up, rise up. And I'm thinking, I don't know what you want, Lord. Are you wanting me to rise up above my physical illness? What are you wanting? I don't understand. And I have a routine every day. I make my coffee. And then I go to my recliner, which I call my prayer chair. And while I drink my coffee, I just meditate or maybe even watch a TV program. I do have a favorite pastor on TV. But that day, as I went to get my coffee to make it, I heard the word Ezekiel. And I'm thinking, now what do you want? (laughs) You want me to rise up? You want something about Ezekiel? Ezekiel? And as I went to my prayer chair and I took my Bible and I opened it, guess where it fell open to? It fell right onto Ezekiel and um, the prophecy of dry bones. And I think most of us can relate to dry bones in our personal lives, and we definitely see dry bones in our nation. And have you ever felt like your dry your bones are just kind of dry? You're, you've been so excited about the scriptures, and it's just jumped off the page. And you know, God is just speaking to you personally, and and you just want more than anything to just get closer and closer. But then something happens, and you you wonder what's happened that I've kind of grown a little further away than I'm used to. Why does that happen? How does it happen? But it's just little by little, little by little, you kind of draw away sometimes. And that's what's happened to me lately. That's why God is speaking to me, but I know he's speaking to our nation also because our nation is in sad condition. But you know what? God can breathe life back into our bones. As long as we're just dry and not dead, God can restore us. And he he does that. And he can and he wants to do that. So I want to give a little background of Ezekiel before I start. But Ezekiel lived in Jerusalem. He came from a priestly family. He was in Jerusalem 25 years and he was training to enter into the priesthood. Before he was taken captive. But then he was taken captive. He was about the same age as Daniel. But they were taken captive in two stages. So Daniel was already gone before Ezekiel came. But Ezekiel knew Daniel. And his name means God strengthens. And he certainly needed God's strength. Because his prophetical ministry occurred during the very darkest hour. Of Old Testament history. Um, Both Israel and Judah had been taken captive. They were in Babylonia. The prophet Jeremiah and the prophet Isaiah both had told them. They had said God is going to go. He's going to judge if you don't change. Because they were committing spiritual adultery. They were committing adultery by worshiping idols. They were participating in sinful things. They were disobedient to God. They had turned their back on him. And in doing that, they had lost the promised land that God gave them. They had lost that beautiful temple that they had always worshipped in. And, of course, they lost all of their personal possessions. So they were in a dreadful situation. They were scared. They were didn't know what was going to happen. They felt like they're returning to Jerusalem and to their Promised land probably would never happen. 
it was a hopeless situation, and they felt doomed. And I think we kind of feel like that about America right now. Well, Ezekiel, though, although Isaiah and Jeremiah taught and told them about the judgment God was going to bring, Ezekiel's emphasis was on comforting the people, encouraging the people, that even though they were in this dark time of history, in the dark time, his prophecies were to encourage them, to give them hope, and to, to help them go through this trial that they were went into all because of their sin. But his purpose was to stain their faith, to make them go through this and know that they were still God's remnant and that God would restore his covenant people. He gave them something to look forward to. And I think that's where we're at right now in America. We're waiting. We're in this pilgrimage. We're going through this life. It seems like everything's falling apart, but our hope lies that we are in a journey. We're going to finish this journey. We're not going to have dry bones forever because our hope is in the Lord God Almighty, and we will be victorious over Satan and what he's trying to do in our lives and in our country. We will win. We will be victorious. Well, Ezekiel says in chapter 37, where we find him giving a prophecy. The hand of the Lord was upon me and carried me out of spirit. The Lord set me down in the midst of a valley, which was full of bones. And he caused me to pass by them round about. And behold, there were very many in that open valley. And lo, they were very dry. And he said unto me, Son of man, can these bones live? And I answered, O Lord, thou knowest. Again, he said to me, prophesy upon these bones and say to them, O ye dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. You know, it is so important that we hear. We don't just skim through the Bible, but we hear what God is saying. Because the the, the whole Bible is full of words to comfort us, to direct us. It's our, our life's manual as we go through life. And as we just have to hear, really hear. You know, Jesus instructed all seven churches in Revelation, hear what the Spirit says to the church. We've got to hear what he's saying to us. Well, he was seeing they were just bones, skeletons. To the eye, they didn't look like they could ever live. And sometimes that happens to us. As far as we look, we just can't see a way out. But God always can restore if we will seek him. In verse 5 through 8, Ezekiel says, Thus saith the Lord unto these bones, Behold, I will cause breath to enter you, and ye shall live, and I will lay sinews upon you. And that's kind of a fibrous thing that helps hold the bones and the muscles together. So he's going to lay sinews upon that. And then he's going to bring on the flesh. And then he'll bring on the skin. And then he'll put breath. Until we have the breath, we have nothing. We're nothing until we have the Holy Spirit leading and guiding us. And he did prophesy. And what happened? There was a noise, a shaking, and the bones came together. Bone to his bone. 
And I beheld, lo, the sinews and the flesh came upon him, and the skin covered them above, but there was no breath. There's no breath. Well, God restored those bones in stages. Didn't happen all at once. But even after everything was brought together, they were still laying there dead because there was no breath. There was no breath. Then he said, prophesy unto the word, prophesy, son of man, and say to the wind, thus saith the Lord God, come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe upon these slain, that they may live. So I prophesied and commanded, and the breath came into them, and they lived, and they stood up on their feet in a great army. We have to have that breath of God. He has to breathe that life into us. And John tells us that if you just believe on me, if you believe on me, as the scripture has said, out of your belly will flow rivers of living water. Don't you want that? That living water to be within us. So it's so important, and I keep emphasizing, but it's so important that we hear, that we hear the word of the Lord. And I want to stress how important the word is and I know we all know this but I just think it's a reminder to us we have to know the word we have to pray the word we have to live the word because we are in a warfare with the devil I've never seen anything as much as we're seeing now in our lives and in our country I mean, we've just got sickness after sickness after sickness, serious, serious things. He's attacking the saints of God. And he's attacking them, the country that we love. And it just, it almost looks like there's no way out. Because he sets traps for you. He sets traps for every one of us. He knows what will make us fall. And his whole desire is to take us away from God. To walk in the ways of the world instead of the way that... We need to walk with our Lord. I don't think God wants us to have a Babylonian experience. I don't know about you, but I do not want to be taken captive in the devil's camp. (laughs) That would be horrible. But those dry bones that Ezekiel told us about, they lived. They stood on their feet, and there was a great, great army. And with the church, we are called to be a great army for the Lord. I think we're we're failing at the church at large is failing. But he told Joshua and he tells us, be strong and of good carriage. Be not afraid, neither be thou dismayed, for the Lord thy God is with thee. We have to know that God is with us. God walks with us. He never leaves us. If we have the Holy Ghost, he gives us the power the power like dynamite to go forth in the world into the in the in the way God would have us to do that. And Israel, as long as they obeyed God, and especially in Joshua's time, as long as they obeyed God, they had victory. They always had victory. But they had to obey, because if they didn't, they lost. And I love David. He said, Thou to Goliath, he said, Thou comest to me with a sword and a shield. But I come. I come to thee in the name of the Lord. He didn't have heavy gear on. 
he had God. I have the Lord of the hosts with me, the God of the armies of Israel, whom thou hast defeated. God is with us in our battles. And God will be with us in our battles if we will just follow the word of God. The Lord said to Joshua, and and this is appropriate for us, Have I not commanded you to be strong and of good courage? Be not afraid, neither be dismayed, for the Lord thy God is with thee wherever thou goest. And Paul said, Thou therefore endure hardness as a good soldier of Christ. As good soldiers, we are not just dutiful soldiers. We are to be good, excellent soldiers who are disciplined so as to please our commanding officer, Jesus Christ. Well, America, like I said, is under attack, and we aren't fighting men. We're not fighting women in high places. We are wrestling against flesh, not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers, against the rulers of darkness, against spiritual wickedness. And we see wickedness in this nation. We see wickedness in this world. And we're fighting devil and his demons. We look at the people in our government and... We get so perturbed with them. But we need to be reminded they're not the ones we're fighting. Satan has got a hold of their minds. They're working for themselves, not the people. But we're not fighting them. We need to be going to the throne room and coming against the spirits of darkness. In Matthew 24, the disciples asked, you know, what, what signs are there going to be for the end of the world? And Jesus goes on to say, you know, there'll be wars. You'll hear wars and rumors of war. And see that ye be not troubled, for all these things shall come to pass. But the end is not yet. When I look at all of the, the floods, the fires, the tornadoes, the hurricanes... The number of them is so gigantic, and they're happening in places they never happened in before. And God is, God is saying, I, I'm going to have to judge you if you don't wake up. You have to wake up, people. We've got to get rid of these dry bones, and we have to rise above the things that are happening in our world right now. Because they're serious. They're very serious. And the only way we're going to do that, I feel, is if we really get to business using the word of God in our lives, praying it, living it. Because Satan always loses his battles. Remember in Matthew when Jesus was tempted, he used the word of God. It was like, it is written. And Satan couldn't fight it. And that's exactly what we need to do. And Hebrews, we're all familiar with this. For the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the asunder of soul and spirit, of the joints and the marrow, and he's a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Have you ever noticed when you're reading the Bible that Paul uses a lot of military words? A lot of them. 
And I think it's because every day he saw the Roman soldiers. He saw their their army um, shield and all of the things that they wore for their defense. He saw the swords that they used. And when he gave us, I think he gave it to us anyway, and, um, for the word of God is quick and powerful. It comes from Hebrews, and I'm not sure, but I think it was Paul. But anyway, when he talks about the two-edged sword, he's taking it from the Roman soldiers. They had all kinds of swords used for different things. And the one that, it was, that they used sometimes was called the Machaia, Machaia. And it was a sword that was short, but it was extremely, extremely sharp on both sides. And they could actually thrust that into a person, their enemy, with a twist of the wrist, they could take out the heart of a man. And that's what the word of God, the word of God is so powerful. It's just like that two-edged sword. When we use it, it's just like taking the to an enemy and grabbing their heart out because it's that powerful. It's very sharp. They could just kill their enemy instantly. Second Corinthians 10. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but are mighty to God to the pulling of strongholds. So if we need to pray the word. We really need to pray the word. The word of God is living, it's alive, it's active, it's energizing. And when I think about that, I think of the little energizer bunny going across the telephone, the television screen. Well, we can be energized by the power of the word of God and we don't have to have a battery. It's just within us because the Holy Ghost is pushing us and pushing us and revealing the power of God and telling us how we're supposed to use it. And just saying, I don't want those dry bones. You need to get up. You need to go. You need to be working for the army of God. Get rid of the dry bones. Get rid of the dry bones. And Satan, he cannot stand the word of God. He just can't stand it. In the scriptures... The first thing that God or that Satan tempted Jesus with was food. You know, he he tried to. Jesus was hungry. He had fasted for forty days and forty nights. He was hungry, and he probably was weak. And Satan had told him, "You look at those stones. If you're God, turn them into bread." And I just was kind of thinking upon that how I would feel if it happened to me. And I think Satan pointed out at those stones because there were so many, and I think one of them probably was shaped like a loaf of bread. And I think he probably said, it's natural to eat when you're hungry. You've fasted 40 days. It's okay to eat. It's okay. If you're really the son of God, just turn that stone into bread. And then I was thinking, how you know how good bread smells when it's baking and how tempting it would to be just to go ahead and turn that stone into bread but instead what did Jesus do he quoted Deuteronomy 8.3 man shall not live by bread alone 
but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. Satan was testing his lust of the flesh. That didn't work. So I think he probably said, okay, let's try something else. Let's try the pride of life. So next, he took Jesus to Jerusalem, and he put him on the highest pinnacle of the temple that he was. And I think he said something like, uh, or thought something like, if you're the Messiah, it won't hurt you to jump. Prove yourself. Prove who you are. Make it known that you're really the Messiah. Because if you are the Son of God, he shall give his angels charge over thee. And in their hands they'll bear you up, lest at any time you dash your foot against the stone. But again, Jesus quoted the word. I'm just saying we need to quote the word. And quoting six, Deuteronomy 6.16, he said, It is written again, Thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. Well, Satan was determined. That didn't work either. So he decides to try a new, another avenue. He's going to test his spirit. And he said, I'll give you all the kingdoms if you'll just worship me. And he took him to a really high mountain and he showed him all the kingdoms of the world and talked about how the glory was within them. And all these things I'll give you if you just worship me. Well, again, he quoted Deuteronomy 6.13. Get thee hence, Satan, for it is written, Thou shalt worship the Lord thy God only, and only him shalt thou serve. Well, we're in the same battle. He tests us in the very same way. We don't fight using military battles, uniforms and weapons and such, because, again, our weapons are not carnal, but they're mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. So we need to quote the word. We need to walk in the winds of the Holy Spirit using the powerful scripture that God has given us. This next scripture is really, really popular right now. If my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face, turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and forgive their sin and heal their land. But you know what? If. It's such a tiny little word. Two letters. But in those two letters, it determines whether God is going to answer our prayer. If my people. If my people will humble themselves. Most of us would deny that we are prideful, that we are arrogant or have any egotism. So if somebody pointed at you and said, you have a lot of pride, what would you say? Most of us would say, no, I don't. I'm humble. And I want you to think on this. When we're going through something, Maybe the dry bones or maybe a horrible thing that's happening with us. And we don't go to God first. We try to fix it ourselves. 
basically, aren't we saying, I don't need you, God. I can do this by myself. I got it, Lord. I can do this. It's pride. Because he tells us to cast our cares upon him, for he careth for us. And so often we cast our cares here, Lord. There's the cross. There's Jesus. Here it is, Lord. Here's my problem. And we wait. And we wait. Well, okay, Lord, if you're not going to do it, I'll take it back. Don't we? That's pride. That's pride. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves. Oh, oh, that's just really hard for us sometimes. Because we want to handle things ourselves. We leave God out of our equation. But the next condition is, he said, if my people will humble themselves, pray. I'm going to talk a little bit about prayer. If our bones are dry, sometimes our prayer life kind of dwindles a little differently than usual. But he said, if we want things to happen, we have to pray. And he's not talking about lay me down to sleep prayer. He's talking about the effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man, because that's what availeth much. Powerful prayer, fervent prayer, it's intense. It's passionate. It's intercession to the point sometimes it's just groaning and it's just the tears are falling. It's not lay me down to sleep prayer. It's intense. It's giving our ourself into that prayer. James was a leader of a church in Jerusalem and you know what they called him? Old camel knees. Because he prayed so much and he prayed so often and he prayed so long that his knees started to become worn and look like a camel's knees. So they gave him that name, Old Camel Knees. And then there was a missionary, John Hyde. He was an American, called to the mission field, went to India. And they called him the Apostle of Prayer. And he often prayed all day and all night. He wouldn't stop to eat. He wouldn't stop to sleep. And he was often seen crying when he prayed, Oh, God, give me souls or let me die. And he did have thousands of souls that he, God used him to save. And when I read about them, it kind of makes me ashamed of my prayer life. I have to tell you, I have ugly knees. But they're not because I got them kneeling in prayer for long periods of time. It's just old age. (laughs) And I can tell you also, if I get down on my knees now, I'm not going to be able to get up unless I have something to hold on to. (laughs) But I would like to be like them. I want to have that intense prayer. And I also want to be able to quote the word in my prayers and when I'm trying to comfort people. I want to be like those men with the camel knees, more like Jesus. I'd rather be like Jesus. But the next condition he talks about in that is 
seek his face. We have to seek him. The Hebrew word for face in the Old Testament is often translated presence. We want to be in God's presence. And so when, if we will really truly seek the Lord and we find him, I mean, he is with us. You can feel him. You can just feel him and you get excited and, and you just want to do everything for him that you can. It just makes you want to go out and win the world for Jesus. But we have to seek him. And as we read the word, we'll, we'll see his character. And we want to be like him. That's, that's our goal, is to be like Jesus Christ. And not only do we want to, to, to we, we want to know what plans God has for us. We want to know how God wants to use us. How does he want me to help win the world? What does he want of me? That's what I kept thinking when he kept saying, rise up, rise up. Oh, what do you want? What, what do you want of me, Lord? And lastly, he says, turn from your wicked ways. Confess your sins. Repent. Try to be conformed into the image of Jesus Christ. Do good works. Follow my word. Don't be disobedient. Turn from your wicked ways. And then... Which is another really big word. Only four letters. But after we, if we do those other things, then God says, I will hear from heaven. I will forgive their sin. And I will heal their land. O ye dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. And I will cause breath to enter you. And ye shall live. If we have dry bones, and I'll have to admit I have lately. In February, after I fell and broke my elbow, four pieces off of it, and um, I still don't have, my elbow's good, but I don't have use of my hand hardly. And I would like prayer, because I did go to the surgeon on Thursday, and he said that, um, because my hand hurts all the time too, it burns like fire. I wish it was the fire of the Holy Ghost. (laughs) And... um, he said that could mean the nerves are healing, but we'll have to do a nerve study because if they aren't healing, we're going to have to go do a surgery and fix your nerves, if that's even possible. So it's just so important. I, I think I've had kind of dry bones because, quite frankly, I'm getting quite tired of this. And uh, I think I was kind of drawing back a little bit. And it's so important when we go through the trials of life, when our bones start to get dry, we have got to seek God. We have to read our scriptures. We have to apply it to our lives. Because it is it's detrimental that we are Christians and God wants to use us in a mighty way. He wants to use us to comfort one another. He wants us to use us to help one another. He wants us to be servants of the Lord God Almighty. And if we have dry bones, we withdraw from that. And so once we even feel like we're getting dry bones, we need to rise above that by using the word of God. Using the God of the the word as it is written. 
as it is written. That's what Jesus did, and that's what worked. And that's why they gave us Matthew 4 and his testing, because Satan will test us in the very same thing. He's going to test our flesh. Are we going to give in to the things of the world? And I always kind of tease about this, but it's true. I love pie. (laughs) I love pie. And I could have a pie for breakfast, pie for lunch, and pie for dinner. (laughs) And in between. And God really got on me. He really did. I ran across the scripture about gluttony, and I'm thinking, oh, my goodness. If I ate a whole pie, that's gluttony. Am I going to come against the flesh? Am I going to come against the flesh? Because if we're going to be handmaidens of the Lord and men, the soldiers of God, we have to follow the scriptures. We have to speak the word. And I did that. I I did. I said, Lord, I'm so sorry that I I love pie. (laughs) Please help me. And do you know, this was back in February when I was... I was so excited for God, and the whole month of February, was just, I was just on a big high. But because I did that, he did deliver me from that. There's power in the word. There's power in following after God. So we need to turn from all those wicked ways and, and get, get rid of any dry bones that are within us. And God will do it. He wants to do it. He wants you to be soldiers of the light of God. He wants us to be in the army. He wants us to intercede for America to the point where we are going to have a great awakening. There's going to be a revival in the land. And we do see it starting. I'm hearing that even young people are beginning to turn to God. And that's they're our next leaders. That's really, really important. But in the meantime, we need to establish some camel knees and we need to pray the written word of God in every area of our lives so I just encourage you I know this message was for me but I felt like it was for the world because our world is so messed up right now they need God and only we can show forth the light and draw men to Jesus hallelujah Father God, we're just so thankful, so very thankful that you live in our lives and that you can take us up and lift us out of that valley of dry bones and you can put us all back together until we rise up in the Spirit of God with the Holy Spirit burning us, consuming us, oh God. We ask for that. We ask that the Holy Spirit will consume us that we will go forth as your mighty army in the name of Jesus. And we bless you and we honor you and we glorify you, God. We give you the glory. It's not within us. It's in you. So just use us. Use us in a mighty way in the name of Jesus. Amen.